Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. So, No lavender gooms, and you know what? He didn't nope. send us days, but I got it. All right. oh, okay, nice. I, got I was going to ask. All right. Um, the following days are, I don't know if he does January 22nd or January 23rd in this instance, but I got, January, I got January 22nd, okay? Today is a celebration of life day. Supposed to honor children and grandchildren right. who bring joy to our lives. So I got nothing there. Okay. Yeah. It's National Sanctity of Human Life Day, uh, which I really hope is not what I think it might be. So I'm going to bank that back off on that one necessarily. Uh, yeah, it could be just, dicey. Yeah. National Polka Dot Day. Here we go, bro. Here we go. This is where I'm at. And then finally, National Blonde Brownie Day. Which, uh, Ooh. what's a brown? I, I know what they look like, but what may, how do they do that? Yeah, it's like half cookie, half brownie. Is that something. what it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that Great. sounds like the best of these options so far. Um, apparently tomorrow is National Pie Day, and pie is in the food, not 3.14, yada, yada, yada. Okay. I contend that deserves its own day too, given that it's how we figure out I'm a lot sure of information. It does. <laughs> and then, uh, National Handwriting Day, which is, which is bad. And just for me right, okay. and my history, I meet the guy's history. Mm. Uh, the CIA uh, was officially created in 1946 on this day. Um, okay. Well, it was created. It created the Central Intelligence Group, which became the Central Intelligence Agency. So everybody's all paranoid about shit. Th- this was a good day for you. Um, you all right, no lavender gooms. I talked to him earlier. He's a little fucking jet lagged. And quite frankly, you know, he was on a plane on Saturday, missed all this thing. And there's nothing to pick this week, even though I made him pick, because I thought Roman Delice is facing uh, Nasruddin Imavov and uh, our boy Moicano facing Drew Dober, which on paper, Mark, just saying those two fights, you're like, oh, it's not bad. And then shit just, though, drives right off a cliff. Well, right off a cliff. You're familiar. You're familiar with that main event. I'm not. Okay. So the co-main event, though. The co-main main yes. event, though, is excellent. Okay. That's a banger. All right. It'll be great next yes. weekend while I fucking not watch it while we watch. It's actually it's the weekend after that. There's nothing on that weekend, I guess. Maybe yeah, I'll watch it's that. Um, weekend. All right. We're going to talk about UFC 297, a card which the guy who gets pay per view points made every effort to make sure he made as little amount of money as humanly possible going into it, Mark. I think that would be a good description of what he did right there. Um, well, I don't know. I think he he sounds some bell whistles and stuff that got his his fan there, base there was, excited. There was uh, one thing that made me laugh very hard. Because like, the guy is a reprehensible human being um, yes. who's the product of a f- clearly a fucked up life, but th- he's still an adult. Can't just be a piece of shit. But right. I saw a clip of him. I guess Cl- Chris Curtis has got a podcast. And they're going to the card. And then <laughs> it's a not a good card. And Sean goes, bro, I'm going to make no fucking money on this fight card. 
<laughs> like he knew how bad it was gonna be. Um, he knew it was gonna be bad. The woman, the women in the co-main event knew it was gonna be bad. By the way, uh, two openly gay fighters sitting there while Sean Strickland talked about how much he hates gay people. Uh, right. really, just must have been a delight. Um, for everybody involved. Um, let's get into it. Let's get into the fights first, and we can talk about where we go from sure. there. We have a new UFC middleweight champion in the world. In what was a, I'd say a spirited affair in that, you know, back and sure. forth. Uh, pretty entertaining, honestly. I wasn't bored, but at this point it was so mm-hmm. late I didn't care. Um, D- I did care because I lost 20 bucks on fucking DDP. I went on this podcast, Mark, and I picked Sean Strickland to win. And then right before it, I'm like, I think DDP is going to fucking choke this dude. So I took DDP inside the distance. And then around round three, I'm just like, oh, no. We're just gonna yeah. <laughs> we're going to the end here. So I lost twice. Drickus Duplessis still knocks being his nickname. I need that explained to me, please. Whenever someone gets a chance, defeated Sean. He's got a nickname. I forgot it. Strickland. Um, on a split decision, forty-eight, forty-seven, forty-eight, forty-seven, forty-seven, forty-eight. Uh, the judges that scored it for Mister Strickland was was Mister Sal Diamato. The judges who scored it for Mr. Diplussi, Derek Cleary, and Eric Cologne. Um, everybody pretty much agrees that uh, the f- first and fifth round went to Strickland. Um, mm-hmm. The round that D'Amato disagreed with was round three. I thought round two, and most no. people seem to think round two was the one that was more iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I scored two, three, and four for DDP. I don't like calling him DDP. Um, the more I do it, I hate it. Uh, for Drickus, uh, you did two, I believe you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so the scorecards I see of the media, sc- the fan voting, all the 14 year old incels that are Sean Strickland fans voted for him on MMA decisions. They found the website. Um, sure. though, honestly, it was a close fight. You could have given it to Strickland and I would have, I have no mm-hmm. problem at all. I thought the second round was really close. So cool. You could have given it to him. Um, the media scorecards I see 10, 11, 15 for Drickus. Like 11 or for Strickland. All these are 3-2. And then some the schmuck at Combat Press gave four rounds to Sean Strickland. So I'd like to discuss stuff with that gentleman about how he came up with that scorecard. Um, Sean started good, man. I thought Sean started good. Uh, mm-hmm. Sean Strickland fought the way Sean Strickland fights, right? Like, he just does it at different speeds, huh, Mark? Um, and I felt that he was doing his thing, and then he kind of slowed down. And then while Eric Nixick was trying to tell them, hey, man, like, didn't like that round this close because mm-hmm. Drickus was just doing his thing where he's throwing fucking haymakers, just waiting forward through the shit, throwing haymakers. And Drickus was getting closer and closer with each, you know, they, each round. He got him down a few times. And then Sean seemed like he kind of understood in round five. I definitely need to win round five, which he did for sure. Uh, wasn't enough. Um, what do you think, man? I thought, you know. I thought I was. I came out of this thinking like neither guy looked particularly great, just in terms of like technique. But fucking Drickus finds a way, man, one way or another. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, this was Sean kind of fought how he usually fights, um, which was very defensive. His offensive tools is. I mean, everyone talks about his jab, and his jab is obviously his number one best tool he has offensively. Um, and it's a great tool to have in any combat sport. You know, I mean, a lot of people talk about how vital the jab is. And it, it 
it becomes more important because you can you can use that tool to set things up. You know, having a good strong jab that you're landing consistently um, can do what we saw in this fight. Like it can mark up your opponent, um, but really it should be setting up that those combinations and really setting up your opponent to follow up with the right straight, which Strickland did throw every now and then and had some success with. But but really, as we saw as the fight progressed, um, you know, Strickland's the variety of output really started getting more limited. You know, in the first round, he was using the, the jab. He used the jab throughout the entire fight very effectively. But he's using a lot of push kicks and right straights after the jab. And, and, you know, in the fifth round, he went back to, you know, using throwing a little bit more mustard behind his shots too. But the, the front kicks really kind of leapt off after the first round. He really wasn't kicking much. Um, and it was just a, a pure boxing exchange. Whereas, um, you know, Drickus really had a more varied offensive plan here. You know, he would go to the legs and the body and the head with kicks. Um, I think he was most successful going to the body. Strickland has improved in a number of areas. And I think one of the areas he's really improved on is checking leg kicks. You know, it wasn't that long ago that the dude did not really check leg kicks. And it was somewhat of a, somewhere, somewhere where he was somewhat vulnerable. And I think he's gotten really good at checking and negating a lot of the damage from the low kicks. The, the, the work to the body is still something where his defensive mastery hasn't really caught up he i think because he does so much sparring he has and we've talked about this in previous fights he has great eyes he sees stuff coming he does kind of this weird defense where he uses arm blocks a lot where he'll kind of throw his arms out to kind of intercept the punches as they come and that was working pretty well i mean the potential downside when you do that is if you know, Drickus could read those or get him to tell or get him to throw those out prematurely. You can try to find those holes. What Drickus ended up trying to do is try to punch around them, right? That's why he's using these big looping punches. Like you said, he's trying to get in the pocket and throw these big overhand rights to get around these arm blocks. And a lot of times they would get caught up in, in you know, the middle of the exchange. And we didn't see it until the later round, especially the fourth round, where, you know, I think Sean was was getting tired not nearly as much much as Drickus, and i think that was part of sean's strategy was like let's take this guy to deep waters we've seen that he struggled in the past when it came to the you know the third round let alone four and five which he's never been in so let's take him to the deep waters and try to drown him out there and you know Drickus definitely was mind. spending a lot of money like said, they don't mind in his offense also threw out a lot of takedowns which he was successful in landing takedowns but could not control sean at all um sean got right back up but, you know, his offense was a lot more varied um, and he had success in certain places. And it was those later rounds where I think Strickland was getting a little tired. He was his reactions to getting those arm blocks up were a little bit slower. And, you know, just him leaning back and trying to avoid some of the shots wasn't working as effectively. And Drickus was able to land some shots, right, like grazing shots because he's throwing big haymaker shots. And they just they weren't as accurate and as damaging because they weren't landing super clean. But. Towards the end of the round, you saw him get a little bit more successful you, in those exchanges. Do you know what's interesting about Drickus? You listen to people who like break down fighting, like the smart people. They all just <laughs> talk about Drickus like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Like the way he throws strikes, like is just like he's just throwing heat, <laughs> big clubbing shit. But the motherfucker doesn't lose. He hadn't lost a fight in like six, seven years or something. I think like he finds a way. Like I think people need to start taking it a little bit more seriously. I think Sean. I don't know, man. This guy talked. We we kept hearing about we're gonna fight to the death, which in Sean Strickland's case means we're fighting to split decision. I guess more often than not. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's which has been a knock. Yeah. I just think you can't. 
it's really hard to win a fight going backwards. Not that you can't, to be clear. You, Izzy does it a lot. Like, Izzy counter-strikes, like... But you can't, like... You gotta keep throwing. And you gotta keep landing. Mm -hmm. And you can't, like... I like the way he checks kicks, putting that out there. I love the way Sean Strickland checks kicks. It's impressive how good he is at it. And this guy just spars, right? That's all he does? That was the way they get the impression I got. He does not, like... There's no drilling. It's just... Fucking every day, Sean Strickland's throwing fucking hands with somebody in the yeah, cage. It's a lot of lot of practical engagements. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you could say like it is hard going to win a fight going backwards, but like one, he almost won this fight doing just that. Um, and a lot of it has to do because again of the jab. And I think in this particular case, do it's because that jab caused so much cosmetic damage on Drickus. Right? Like we have to mention, you know, at the end of the second round. The swelling on the eye was pretty bad, and it continued to get worse throughout the fight. And, I mean, I think that's when you look at this fight, I would say that it was compelling because – not because we saw, like, a high skill level, because you're right. Like, I think people don't give DDP as much credit, but a lot of his strikes seemed a lot of, to be a lot of flailing, right? Like, he's he was trying to get in the pocket, which, you know, he would eat jabs getting into the pocket – and then he was trying to throw these big haymakers to get around the offense. And it just looks sloppy. A lot of punches landing on the shoulder, not landing cleanly. Um, it, it feels like it's a style that's not going to age well as the chin, as he gets older, to be honest. Just chin-wise and stuff, the way he fights, like, just my two cents. I feel someone's going to, he's going to get audited by somebody and it's going to look bad. We don't know who it is. That doesn't is, exist yet. But, I mean, I think it would be Izzy, but Izzy's not 29 years old anymore. Like, Izzy's 35, right. so we'll get to that later, but. You know, Drickus has shown that he's very durable, right? Yeah, and in this fight, and this fight, this is probably the fight where he got marked up the most, right? Where he was kind of like showed the most cosmetic damage. But there was no point in this fight where it really looked like he was like hurt, hurt. Like I, you never really saw him wobble. I think in the second round, he kind of tripped, and, and in the moment, it looked like maybe he got dropped. Yeah, what but was, it was what I think was, it was the more fuck of a, was that? that? Slip. Yeah, what was that? What happened? Was a that slip. was wild. The whole crowd went whoa. Like a, <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like a slip because. You know, right when he got up, he looked at the ground to see, like, what he stepped on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, and that's kind of the problem with Strickland, you know. And, and, again, it is somewhat humorous that he talks about how he's so ready to kill somebody, you know, in the octagon. But his style itself does not seem to dictate the murderous style because he does not have heavy hands. It is all about accumulation. Um, and it's a very technical fight. We don't even see a lot of guys in the UFC or in mixed martial arts that really defensively they're really good at negating a lot of the shots i think that's what sean is really good at you know with his um philly shell how he leans back and using the arm kind of defenses which i don't necessarily think is like the smartest way to defend in the world i mean i think fast footwork is, is probably better to just negate but he's been very and we saw in the izzy fight he's very good at seeing the strikes coming getting his arm shields out deflecting shots before they come in and kind of wearing opponents down in that way, too. That's another exhausting thing when you're throwing punches and they're getting intercepted halfway through. It's throwing off, you know, your weight and your momentum. And it's it's kind of throwing you off balance a little bit, which we saw Drickus a couple times. When he throws these big shots, he can get off balance. But Sean never was able to really capitalize more so than a jab here and there. So. Do you know Drickus's body type reminds me of? Um, not saying he fights like him, but remember Patrick Cote? <laughs> kind of reminded me of Patrick Cote. Just as like a general, like... Oh. This guy's bigger than you think he is, basically. I mean, Patrick Cote was a little stockier. I mean, Drickus is built. No, I mean, like, no, I'm not calling him fat. I mean, he's like, they've like, like built like fucking like just, you know, 
I don't think I think Cote was soft or anything either. Cote maybe wasn't as ripped, but mm-hmm. just like, like 205. Um, as- I just the way Drickus fights, I think like Anderson or somebody like Izzy, where they're like, I'm talking about them being not at their peak even, but like not at the tail end of their career. Like if I mean, I look, I I think the best fight Drickus has ever fought was the last one he had was against mm-hmm. Robert Whitaker. I also think the best fight Sean ever had was the last fight he had. That's so great. I think both of them fought not as good in this fight as that fight. But mm-hmm. I also get to, like, I think, like, Izzy's, like, because that's where we're headed, right? We're headed at Izzy, Izzy towards DDP. Dana said that, like, let's just get into that because we can talk about Sean in a second here. We have a new champion. Um, Drickus was, like, he called out Izzy. And I kind of got the impression both the way Drick, Izzy's talked about Drickus in the past week and the way Drickus talked about Izzy that they're both trying to avoid how uncomfortable this really was. I, I get that impression, Mark. Like, because, mm-hmm. like, Drickus was talking about being, like, how proud he is to be the first South African champion. He didn't go out there trying to be, I'm the first African champion. He didn't try to pull that bullshit. And Izzy said, hey, man, I'm really proud of, like, we have another, we have a fourth African champion. And he posted a video of, like, I think Volk is in there, too. Like, the three of them's, like, training back, like, in 2016. And he mm-hmm. said, like, you know, hey, I want to I want to test his ass, but, like, proud of having another African champion. If Izzy was younger, if we're getting Izzy, like, on the come-up, I really feel it's the type of fight where, like, oh, Izzy's gonna, like, dodge this shit. Like, Izzy's gonna dodge all this shit. Izzy's gonna fucking counter-strike him up to Wazoo, you know, yada, yada, yada. Not that confident anymore, to be honest, at this stage of Izzy, just because I kind of was hoping, I think you said it yourself, I kind of hoping you would have a fight where, like, maybe let's get this guy, like, not an easy fight, but let's get him in the cage fighting anybody that isn't the fucking best fighter in the weight class. You know? Yeah. We don't do yeah, tune-up fights is, in the UFC, but, like, let's get him, like, you know. who's number nine? Or, like, get him number, like, that guy, number eight. Don't give him number one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, let's get him a Well, yeah, fight. I don't think he fights an unranked guy, but you kind of want – I mean, I would want if I was Izzy's manager or whatever, really. If, like, if I'm in the business of, like, potentially promoting Izzy – you need to build him back up a little bit, right? Like you could throw him to Drickus and maybe he wins, right? And it's just like, hey, we just we just the, the track Chris, is just laid Chris right Curtis. in front of you. you just He's fourteen before this fight. Chris Curtis or like Paul Craig or one yeah. of those dudes. But I would yeah, I would like to see him have a fight where he could style on somebody, yeah. right? And we can rebuild some of that aura that he had previously, because it was smashed. Sean Strickland smashed that aura. Like yeah. and, that, and that's and that's why I, I mean no, honestly, a lot of that was done beforehand by Mr. Mr. Pereira Alex put a big, but like, yeah. you got the impression that Izzy was just like, no, I'll be very clear. Sean took that fight. He won that fight. Like, mm-hmm. Izzy accepted the fight. Izzy wanted to fight there. We all acted like Izzy was going to destroy this man in 12 seconds. Like, but like, he wasn't even there. And it looked like after like, the, at some after he got hit in the first round, like, he looked mentally, he was checked out. Mm-hmm. Even like, he wasn't even no. throwing. I like, he, I thought he was going to take a break. I guess this is a break. When did they fight? Yeah, he hasn't fought in a while. September? It's been October? a while. I don't know. It's not that yeah. long. Like, he's going to fight again in April? Yeah. I mean, I don't buy that they're fighting in UFC 300. I just don't think Drickus is going to take that fight. And I don't think... I mean, maybe they asked Izzy to go... I mean, Izzy's been to Saudi Arabia a few times, too. Maybe Izzy's going to Saudi Arabia to fight Drickus yeah. there. But 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 to your point, Bob, like, I get what you're saying about Drickus. Is that, like, he fits a stereotype that we've kind of seen yeah. in this division. Like, you can look at a Jared Cannonier and be like, yeah, this is a guy that's big, built strong, tough to, to finish... And hits really hard. And, like, the fight with Strickland and Cannoneer was kind of like this one where it was really close. 
but the big power puncher was able to get the, the, the do, nod I mean, do, you, do you think this guy's going to have a long title reign, honestly? Because I don't see that. I just Unless he's going to impro improve. He's got to get better uh, significantly. Like, well, it's just – it's really like coming? who is he going to – who is he going to fight, and how do they match up? Um, I think Izzy. I, think, I think Izzy matches up well with him if Izzy mm -hmm. is right. If Izzy is right, right I'm probably going to talk myself into picking Izzy by the time the fight. He's going to do some stuff, and I'm going to see some training video, and I'm going to convince myself Izzy's there. But like, he beat Bobby Knuckles' ass real quick. Like that was impressive. And besides that, I don't know. Maybe Paulo Costa's big lumbering fucker. Maybe him. Like he's pretty durable. I like. I think, he, I think he does. Yeah, I think he does well against those other guys that are of a same type of ilk that he is. Like, if you're just coming in with just muscle mass, like I, I like Drickus in those fights, like against Cannoneer, against uh, Paulo Costa. I think he fares fairly well, you know, because um, I think he. I mean, one, a couple of things he did show in this fight. Like, one, he does have a varied offensive mm -hmm. skill set, right? Like, he's not just throwing punches, right? He throws kicks. Um, and he knows how to shoot a takedown, and, and his takedowns were really good. S holding the guy down was, shit a, with it, yeah. was much more difficult, yeah. Which I think is a lot of energy wasted, kind of. I mean, it's great to get those takedowns and have your opponent have to think about like, okay, this guy might shoot on me, but it becomes a lot more dangerous when it's like this guy might shoot on me, and if he does, I'm fucked. Like if he does, and I get on the ground and I can't get up, I lose the round. I, I right? think Brendan Allen would be a fun matchup for him, actually, with Brendan's grappling. That mm -hmm. would be it. Brendan gets one more. That'd be a fun one. I'm realizing now, by the way, Drickus, not avoided isn't the right word, but I guess it is the right word. But I don't mean it like mm -hmm. he cheated, or I didn't mean it. I don't mean it in a pejorative way. He did not fight a lot of these the, the guys you mm -hmm. fight. Like he beat Brad yeah. Tavares. He beat Darren Till's. Darren Till's nothing. Darren Till hasn't been something in six years. Mm -hmm. Like Derek, he went. He pretty much went. Derek Brunson, Bobby Knuckles. It went like, yeah, Brad Tavares. Okay, Darren Till. Okay, but Derek Brunson, Bobby Knuckles, Sean Strickland. Like he, he didn't fight. Like I'm looking at the guys in his rankings. He didn't fight fucking Cannoneer. He didn't fight Vittori. He didn't fight yeah. Costa. He didn't fight Hermanson. He didn't fight Paul Craig. He didn't fight the guy fighting next weekend, Roman Delitze. That's another fun one. Like Cam's that somehow. Part of me thinks they're going to give Cam's out a title shot, by the way, oh, which Jesus is wild Christ. to me. Um, and and I wonder how Camzat would do with him. I guess like, past I, the first round, Camzat's fucked. If <laughs> if Camzat gets him down, you know, it's a game changer. But like Drickus is just he's really strong, right? So I really wonder if it's going to be that easy to ground this guy too. So we'll see. But but there is, like you mentioned, there's a lot of matchups that we haven't seen with Drickus, which makes. You know him as champion potentially kind of interesting right and i think strickland was kind of in a similar spot where it's like there was still a handful of guys he hasn't fought so we're, we're getting new matchups regardless and that's kind of what we needed after izzy had kind of cleared up the i mean we get the, it's the cycle we get through where we have a long rating champion like izzy mm -hmm. izzy held that belt man for a while mm -hmm. like izzy yeah. held that belt for like five years that's a long time that's a long four three four years and then mm -hmm. we go through the thing you go through when a champion leaves. Like, he came back and got it again. Normally, when you lose it, you don't come back and get it. Um, but he lost it again. You kind of go through the period where we get a little hot potato until some other young cat shows up. Is that Cam's mm -hmm. at? We don't know. You know? We don't know. Maybe there's a welterweight that's going to move up. Or something. You know? Yeah. Maybe Shaftcat yeah. says, fuck this. I'm going up. Maybe. I don't know. Just, anyway. Um, he wants Izzy. I think Izzy's down to do it. Whether they're doing it in three months... Whatever. I don't... Sure. Whenever they do it, they do it. It's fine. 
it's a fight I'm interested in, to be honest with you, Mark. I think I'm. Mm-hmm. I was more interested in that matchup than Izzy versus Sean again, just because I already saw that fight. Um, mm-hmm. and what's gonna happen? Like, I don't know. Like, what Izzy comes back and beats him the second time? Cool. Or like, Izzy loses? Okay, I don't know. I already saw it once. Like the moment that fights, the value of that matchup already existed in that whole week where Sean pulled it off. Like, it is what it is. Well, and I and I think like that was easily the most. Out, like unthinkable, outrageous thing that could happen in that fight, right? Like no one really gave Sean much of a chance. So him pulling off that huge upset was the most kind of exciting outcome you potentially yeah. could have. And you kind of think if they fight again, like I, I do think Izzy would be able to make the adjustments. Um, but I still think it's, it's a, I mean, it's a Sean, tough fight. Sean's tough. Sean's a good fight. I mean, he's a good fighter. Yeah. Say what you want. The man's a good fighter. These are good fight. Drickus is a good fighter. By the way, Izzy, I was looking at his age. Izzy's 34. We're getting there, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know? We're getting there with in terms of like, you know, I mean, the 35 thing is for 170 and below. Don't worry. Um, Drickus is a young man. Sean's a young man, too. Um, we'll see where they go from here. I, I tell you, man, I was excited not to have to go to that fight after how uncomfortable it really got for like a month or so with Izzy and Drickus. Um, mm-hmm. Now that I get the impression we're not going to have to like deal with this bullshit. Um, I, by the way, I just want to say, uh, go listen to the co-main event podcast the last five minutes. If you don't want the whole episode is good, but Chad Dundas really summarizes what those of us who've been watching MMA a long time are feeling with this sport right now in terms of the number of assholes we're dealing with. Um, anyway, um, let's go to Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland was fine with losing and now he thinks he got fucked. Whatever. Who cares? Um, I... Don't know what we do. I don't know. Someone's they, they were talking about him on the pay per view. They're like a Conor McGregor like person personality and stardom or some shit. They were that words come out of John John Anik's mouth. Like I don't. I think this guy's got a lot of fourteen year old fans who don't get girls at all. They're a bunch of awkward teenagers who a bunch of incels to be honest too. And I just get the imp- I mean, look, none of them. If you're a Sean Strickland fan, you're not listening to this podcast anyway, so I'm not losing anybody at this point. And, like, I just, I don't, I think they're probably breathing a sigh of relief that he's not their fucking, they can say what they want, that he's not their middleweight champion, Mark, to be honest. It wasn't a good week. Um, People acting like he got baited into that conversation with the reporter, like, as if, like, Sean Strickland doesn't spend every waking breath trying to say controversial shit to make you care about his boring-ass fight style. Um, Like... You say a bunch of shit, you're going to ask questions about it, and if you want to say someone's less of a man because they're okay with their... Well, I don't even understand what the fuck he was talking about. Like, nobody's more concerned with gay people than Sean Strickland. It's interesting. Gay people don't talk about gay people as much as Sean Strickland does. I didn't even know what we were even fucking doing, and like, dude's wearing a t-shirt that says, like, women in the kitchen or so. I don't even know what did they think, like, people aren't going to ask questions? What was the expectation here? He got in a crowd fight yeah. a month ago. What do they think is going to happen? I mean, it's it's just it's really weird because on one hand, you know, and we've talked about it in the lead up to the Izzy fight. Like, he does have this like his personality does come off as authentic, yeah. right? Like, whereas we look at like Colby, that seems like a facade, right? Where mm-hmm. he's just trying to be a heel because it's it's a way to garner attention and press. And it seems like Sean really does have this mentality that, like, a real man hates gay people, is sexist, is homophobic, and 
And there does seem to, and, and sadly enough, like he just kind of left that stuff to the side. Like I think he could still be a big star. And, and to the UFC's point, like I'm sure you're you're right to some degree, Bobby, where they're kind of glad he's maybe not the champion, but they're getting their cake and eating it too because he's become a huge star apparently. Right? Like it does seem like there's a lot of people. I mean, okay, so this is the thing. I've watched some videos where he's he's talking about his nonsense, right? And then you look in the comments, and who knows? Like you can't go to the internet comments. I mean, this and be is like, oh, This is a I mean. <laughs> yeah, this is a barometer. But like every comment I saw is like, yeah, this guy's finally speaking the truth. You know, it's all this stuff is like, oh, this is gross. Um, I mean, YouTube but, YouTube is a right wing haven of shit, bro. Dude, I just here's the thing. I think they think their fan base is more right wing than it is. I mean, I know it is. There was a study, fifty five percent. That's how right wing they're. That is that is just sports fans, bro. That is men. Men are fifty five percent conservative more like yeah they are they are they're really leaning hard into something just for like no apparent reason i don't think they're benefiting yeah. from it nearly as much as they think they are but to, to more to your point like when the reporter asked him about like i think it's something like if you had a gay all the son, horrible shit he said <laughs> well yeah like it's not even just that like he said like oh you know like he wasn't just saying homophobic things. Like he started just like attacking the reporter, but, like you're everything that's wrong in like society. It's like this guy's just asking you a question. Like, like for you to go and like scorch earth on like this guy's like Satan, this guy's the devil, like like that's a real person. And like, I don't know. It's just it it, it really sucks to have an athlete or anyone with that kind of influential kind of like power to point out a reporter and be like, you're, you're what's cause like you, you don't know what kind of crazy people are out there that are going to take his words as gospel and be like, Oh, I need to do the Sean Strickland thing and get my gun and go take matters. You know, you never know how people are going to interpret it, what you said. So for him to say the things he said, I think it's just really kind of, yeah, he's just, you know, uncalled. The guy needs it. therapy, but whatever it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, we can go move on to the next piece of shit on whatever. <laughs> I, I saw some like Aljamain Sterling defending Sean Strickland. Aljamain's a, fucking turd dude. there's so many of these fighters are bad people i'm just gonna say it. everybody's a bad everybody's a bad person well i mean that's the thing is like we've i'm not surprised that a lot of the fighters lean to the right yeah right but it's one of those things like when we first started watching the sport like politics just wasn't part of this like we didn't intentionally didn't dana about, white said he doesn't want politics and religion in the fucking game. we've flipped on this entirely <laughs> yeah and you really just it just it wasn't needed like we didn't i didn't care what spectrum of politics you were on everyone kind of just kept it to themselves and it was fine right but now i know i think since certain people have come to the forefront and maybe we're running the country for a while everyone feels very like oh i should be proud of you know my beliefs and and it's like look you can believe what you want to believe but it's just like when you when you go out there and you kind of take a stand on these certain issues like you can't be too surprised when some people push back or question you on it. People don't know what the um, First Amendment means. People don't know what it means. Yeah. People, First Amendment literally means the government isn't going to stop you. Doesn't mean you can't get fired. Doesn't mean we can't. Yeah. Again, this is the same company that suspended Matt Mitrione and fined him for, in 2013 for saying anti-trans stuff about Fallon Fox. Again, gave Nate Diaz a, a fine for... Uh, I think he called... He said the, F, the wrong... The, the, F word, the F word, the wrong... Which Nate himself said I shouldn't have said that. Like I, fucking, they did the they fired Frank Mir from doing commentary for saying he was going to kill Brock Lesnar. Which to be clear, I hear every week, every week in this sport. Um, like, it's just the things have rapidly changed. By the way, 
I'm going to give Drickus a little credit here, okay? Where, like, Sean Strickland said, like, hey, man, don't, like, bring that up. It's a line or I'll stab you, right? Mm-hmm. And Drickus is like, yeah, I'm not going to bring it up. I don't need to bring it up. It's just, you know, if he wants <laughs> to talk crazy, I can bring. Drickus made his point. Where I can, in one sentence, crumble your entire shitty worldview. I found your fucking thing. He found his. He, he found, found his. He found the thing. And in retrospect, I was a little bit harsher on Drickus. And I thought about it. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, he got out of dealing with this guy. This guy, he couldn't say anything to him. Because that guy was holding a gun to his head, basically, emotionally. Like, go ahead, bring it up. You know? And like, someone, yeah. people, I saw Drickus, someone going after Drickus saying, like, because Drickus, like, kisses his dad and, like, his team and something. Like, they're affectionate okay. culture, right? And Drickus mm-hmm. is like, you can call me gay, whatever. <laughs> he's like, have you seen Man, my girl? And then he went like this. He's like, have you seen my girl? Woo! All right, call me gay. And I was just like, but for some dumbass comments, Drickus, I would be generally on board with what I'm hearing here. <laughs> hearing about you, buddy. Um, yeah, man, like, I don't know. I don't. I just would like a fight week where I don't. We said it when we were talking about it, man, before the podcast, before the end of the year stuff. One of my least favorite things, everybody's an asshole. I don't watch this yeah. sport for fake. And also, Sean Strickland's as fake as anybody else. Telling he's going to go out there and fight and I care, do this and that thing. Let me find you, man. You fight like a guy. You fight like Uncle Chael, baby. Uncle Chael talked a lot of shit, but Uncle Chael knew what he was doing. Uncle Chael's like, I have a boring-ass fight style. I got to make people, I got to talk people into the door. Sean's doing the same thing. Go ahead, and, go ahead and tell me he's real. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell me, oh, this guy's got a microphone. He's telling it like it is. First of all, I don't give a fuck if you're a cage fighter to hear your opinion about anything that isn't cage fighting. Sure. This is this is all Connor's fault, but not in a way that it like you think it is. All these people saw Connor make a bunch of money talking shit and saying a bunch of stuff, but none of them are as funny or as witty or as in, like clever as Connor was when Connor was doing this stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. when Connor was needling Aldo and the Brazilians and all that shit, like at no point that I was like was I like oh man what is like it was like I was like man he's an asshole, but I was like oh, this is fun. This is all like Muhammad well, Ali type shit. Like, and the thing is, too, I mean, unless you're like a a, a chill, um, the shit talking, it loses a lot of steam when you're not winning, right? Like when Connor was, he could say all that shit because he was the man. He was dominating everybody, right? He was knocking everyone out. Once you start losing the kind of shit talking, it's harder to back up when it's like, I just saw you get choked out by Nate Diaz. I just saw your legs get snapped into by Dustin. You can't, if you have a boring like, ass, you better win a fucking fight if you have a boring ass fight style. You can get away yeah, with it if you're or, good. If you're Nate, you can like, say whatever Chael, you want. <laughs> or be like Chael, right? And just like just live in your own realities. Like I never lost that fight. Then, man, if you fight exciting, way. you can talk all the shit you want as long as the fight did you didn't bore me. But if you're boring and sure. lose, if you're boring yeah, and win, it's a different yeah. thing. Nate Diaz, I don't know, Nate Diaz last time you won a fucking fight. Who cares? You know? Nate's also <laughs> made not making me embarrassed to be a cage fighting fan at times. Dude, they literally used to like they used to have to defend this sport. Now they gave up. Um, all right, yep. co-main event certainly happened. Certainly mm-hmm. happened. Uh, Myra Buena Silva. You say whatever you want about Raquel Pennington. We really like Raquel Pennington here on this podcast. Um, we appreciate she's a tough fighter. She's had to take have eighteen UFC fights till she got a she got a title, which I think has got to be at least a record on the female side. Um, she has one performance bonus. In those 18 wins. Um, didn't give her a fucking submission of the night when she bulldogged that girl, choked that girl. What the, what happened that night? A UFC 181 that that wasn't the submission of the fucking performance of the night. I'm just saying. Um, 
Myra Buena Silva really didn't doesn't have anything outside of a grappling game. Her striking sucks. When they were telling you she's a not a finished product, well, you charge eighty dollars for the product, man. So I got expectations. Um, she really didn't have anything. She was exhausted. She was she'd losing in the last few seconds of the fight, last two minutes of the fight, just laying on her back, getting kicked in the legs. She's got to earn. She's gonna have to do a lot to get a title shot ever again. Quite frankly, um, I had it like four one. I think that's what most people had. I thought after the first round, every round was Pennington's. And I think Pennington, if she had some better fight IQ, she could have put this away somewhere in the third round. Because her coaches kept telling her, stop getting in the clinch. And it wasn't like Myra was some slick way about it. She was kind of just grabbed her and walked her over to the fence. And then we were just there. Like, anytime they engaged, Myra was getting lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, but shout out, man. I like Raquel Pennington. I like Rocky. You know, she, it was nice to see Tisha and their baby in the cage before we had the homophobe come out afterwards. Um, that was nice. It was cool seeing, did you see Amanda and Nina in the crowd with the two babies? Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. Amanda, after the fact, being like, I still feel like a champion, you never know. Amanda definitely saw that fight and said, I could sleepwalk through Hulk fucking running this division still. If Juliana wins the title and Amanda comes back just to be take the title from Juliana again, I'm going to laugh quite a bit. Ooh, that would be good. <laughs> Um, they should yeah, throw money think, at Amanda. You know, <laughs> they should throw money at Amanda. That's what they need to do. Well, well, I agree. Like, you know, I don't think this was like the most exciting fight. Um, a couple of things I, I did like. I mean, one, we elephant in the room regarding this fight. Uh, we all have to eat our words. None of us picked Pennington to oh, win. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and 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 we all love her, right? Like we're all huge fans of her and we wanted her to win, but we all thought that Silva was just you know, she was just a step above, right? Especially when you when you get that submission on Holly Holm, who's been kind of like a front runner for always getting title shots, um, doesn't get stopped very often, like ever. Um, you just thought Silva was going to find a way to get a choke on uh, Raquel. And I think you brought it up when we were talking about, you know, picking the fights last week. It's like Raquel doesn't get finished, mm-hmm. like really ever. I think Kat finished her with a rear naked choke, you know, yeah, early I think, on. I think like, that was in it. Her yeah. fifth fight. But, I mean, so one, you have to eat our words. You know, Pennington put on, a, you know, a good performance in one. And one thing I did like is, like, even in the last round where I think she was clearly winning, like, she was still going after it. Like, you know, I mean, not so much with the kicks to the leg. Um, no, one like that was she still was fighting, the and it wasn't the one down three. It wasn't the one down three rounds. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I and I can appreciate that because we look at the fight like with Leon Edwards, right, where it's like, oh, he clearly is beating Covington. And then he just kind of took the last round off, which I think is, like, it's fine. He was still in control, really, even though he was losing the fight. But, like, I do appreciate when the, the fucking fighter is like, I'm going to use every second I have in here to try to finish the fight. And Pennington was I, I, I took that to. moment for Leon as Leon saying, fuck this crowd. Enjoy this five minutes of pointlessness. Get, 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 get a little snooze. <laughs> get a little snooze, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really, I think we're all really happy for Raquel. You know, like, she's put in the work. Um, and she's made the adjustment she had to. Like, she's won five in a row, maybe six now with this fight to get to this point. So it's not like it was unwarranted. Um, but, you know, she's not a charismatic champion. You know, even even she said herself, like, you know, when she won the belt, for it being, like, her big achievement, I don't think it really hit her. You know, it hadn't, you know, there wasn't, like, a, a lot of a jubilation or anything. But it's just something that, like, I respect the hell out of her. She has always been, like, a really tough, durable fighter. I don't know how long she's going to hold on to that belt. And I do, I'm not surprised Amanda's like, well, the landscape's looking pretty weak. I could come in here and well, make some easy bucks. I mean, let's talk about this. Juliana Pena is pretty clearly the next contender, I guess, by default yes. here. 
I'll, I'll take I'll take Rocky in that one. I'm not that caught. We all live in this world where I'm supposed to be convinced that I learned new things about Juliana Pena because God bless her. She fucking bit down on her mouth card and just wouldn't stop against Amanda in that fight. But nothing mm-hmm. has changed about the type of fighter she is. You can hit her whenever she will you want. You can hit her whenever you want. It's- and man, she's injured all the time. This shit is adding up. This shit is adding I up. Think, <laughs> I think it's tough because they're. I think they're very similar fighters. I think they're very tough. I'm also, however old you think Juliana Pena is, she's older than that. I'm just letting you know that. She's 34 she years also old. 34. Okay. She's 34 so she's years old. She's a little so. bit younger yeah. than Pennington, but not by much. Mm. I, and I think stylistically, they, they fight very similar. And I think it would be tough. It's really, It would really be, has Pennington technically gotten superior enough now that she's going to be able to kind of pick apart a Pena or, you know, is Pena's tenacity going to get the better of, of, of Pennington, which I think is a tough thing to do. Uh, I mean, I, not I'm not that confident if, 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 in Juliana Pena in a fight where she's not getting consistent takedowns flat out. And I don't, I'm trying to look mm. up as we talk how good Raquel's takedown defense is. Uh, right. 63% sounds pretty fucking good to me. That's uh, pretty yeah. fucking good. I don't know. I don't think she's getting taken down. Like, looking at fights of people who took her down. She gets taken down a couple times here or there, but I don't know, man. So, Just saying, like, Juliana, I mean, these injuries are adding up, too. She's, yeah, she's not I think young. That's the, that's the fight to make. I think it makes sense, and hopefully they can make it happen. Yeah, the same people are in this weight class that it was. That's why Misha Tate came back. The same people are here that were before. Yeah. Valentina. I was, I was, Luke Thomas said it, it's like, man, Valentina Shevchenko could go to this weight class probably and win the belt. And I'm just like, been saying this shit. From the minute Amanda retired, I'm like, go get the belt, Valentina. Yeah. Just go get it whenever you feel like it. If Amanda doesn't, if Amanda doesn't come back, and these two, that's the title fight, Valentina. Whenever whatever happens in this Grasso fight, win or lose, she should be like, I'd like to fight that person. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I would do. Um, we'll see. Bueno Silva needs to get her. Needs to. She's 32 years old. She's been at American Top Team now for a year or so, I guess. You gotta, you gotta do some stuff with your hands, man. You gotta, you gotta have a chance. You gotta work on your cardio. If I'm a Holly Holm, I'm wondering how the fuck I lost that fight. How I managed to get beaten mm-hmm. that quickly. Because um, I'm looking at who she beat. She ain't beaten anybody. That Holly Holm one sticks out big time. And we kind of convinced ourselves a bit there. Um, me included. And we all love Raquel. We probably, one of us should have picked her. Mike Malott, Neil Magny, man. They were really trying to get Mike Malott that treatment, you know? They're trying to get him to become that Canadian star, and Mike Malott talks a little bit of shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I like Mike Malott. He's a good fighter. Me too. But he was letting him hang around a lot, and letting Neil hang around. And I'm just like, this isn't this isn't doing what you, this crowd, just these cheers from this crowd is not doing. Is not enough to convince me this is going as well as it should be. Like he was winning, he won both rounds and was winning the third. You leave Neil Magny an opening. Neil Magny's been doing this a long time, man. Neil Magny's going to fight 15 minutes, right? Like Neil Magny's. Say whatever you want. He's still going to be fighting at the end. You get tired. You start going slow. You Neil Magny gets on top of you. starts pounding you out. And you can't get out of the way. He's not going to stop. Neil Magny also tends to do much better as the fights go on, I've noticed. Pretty much every fight he's been in. So um, they kind of did that first hurdle for him, Mark, to see where he's at. Can you beat Neil Magny? That's an important, am I going to be, you know, get ranked kind of fight. Mm-hmm. You're not there yet. You know, he's not there yet. He's 32 years old, so he better fucking get there, right? Like, it's time to go. Yeah, he's <laughs> his career, he's fairly young in his career, though, and I think this is. I mean, he's beating nobody. You no, know, I can't. I can't remember. There's a similar fight. I can't remember who it was against, but like, this is a learning experience, right? Like, this is 
you can't ever count yourself. People were comparing you know, it to Rory and Condit. Time. Remember when Rory was beating Condit's ass? This yeah. is really early on, and then Condit just went full fucking Carlos Condit at the end of it and like finished him with like mm. a couple seconds left. This guy's only Wikipedia a guy with the Wikipedia entry and the UFC that he's beaten is Mickey Gull. So yeah, well, that's something. And also, scalp, he hasn't so. seen the third round since a since we saw this guy fight live. He was at Bellator 142 Dynamite. Apparently, we saw Mike Malott. It's the last time he went to the third round. He lost that fight too. Maybe work on the gas tank, bro. Maybe work on the gas tank a little bit. Um, rest of this card, Chris. I was understandably uh, focusing on the 49er game for most of this part here. Chris Curtis, Mark Andre Baralt. I was half paying attention. I thought Chris Curtis won. Does does it? I did too. And we haven't really talked about it. Um, this was probably the fight where the commentary I thought was a little skewed. At the beginning of the fight, I don't think it was inaccurate to say like the pace wasn't the highest. They weren't landing the big shots. As the fight wore on, these guys really did start putting it on each other. But the narrative of this being like a hard sparring match never left. And Chris Curtis was very upset with. Yeah, Chris Curtis is always Cruz pissed though. And, but yeah, oh yeah, we didn't true. talk about it. Dominic Cruz, who I've thought is a good analyst, had one of the worst fucking commentary nights you can imagine. It was so bad. Yeah. He kept talking about some cut that fucking Drickus got in the first round or something. He's like, well, the second round was better for Drickus, but he's got that cut. And then in the third round, he's like, another good round for Drickus, but he's got that cut. You know, the judges see that. It's like John Anik had to be like, yeah, that only counted in the in the first round or whatever. Like the round that happened in is the only time that round happened. It's a, another embarrassing night for the commentary team with Joe Rogan not even mm -hmm. there. So way to go. Yeah. Um, Movsar, Ivalev, Arnold Allen. I thought this was okay. And Dana White went out there and said it was like some boring ass fight. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I, I don't, I need I them to explain too. the rules better too. I need the commentators to know the fucking rules though. Cause I, I you got to tell me if the fucking hand on the ground thing counts. Somebody it's, it's all you like, just know who's fighting and tell me the rules. It's like a real basic thing. I'm asking for you at this point. Like, yeah, there was a lot of confusion there and it should have been something that like, okay, the guys in the booth maybe don't, no, exactly. I mean, because it, and it should tell the other confusing. two to shut the fuck up and just explain the rule. This is what should happen. <laughs> or someone, someone, because like they have guys in the back that are telling them. Someone in the back should have been like, oh, "What rule set are we using? Was that illegal or not?" And just got it cleared out for the people in the booth to explain to the audience that like they're using the the old rule set where reaching to reaching your hand to the ground is a valid way to knock it neat in the head, right? And and Movzar was playing the game, right, where he was putting his hand down to try not get kneed, and Arnold Allen was lifting it up and, and trying to hit him with the knee, but some of those were a little questionable. I thought um, Allen looked good in the stand-up, right, but it was just the wrestling he couldn't negate, so it, it's a tough loss. I saw, you know, I saw some scores for Allen. I don't think that was that mm -hmm. out of the question, and I'm not just saying that because I'm an Arnold Allen guy. People were just like, oh, he got taken mm -hmm. out of a bunch. You got to do something with that, man. You got to do something with it. You got to yeah. do something with that, and the guy wasn't doing a lot with it necessarily. Um, Dana White got the I got the impression Ivalov was not getting a title shot that soon, but then again, you just got to be available because they were angry at Drickus, you know, four months ago, and now he's a middleweight champion. So, um, Mark, Arnold Allen, man, I'm all about Arnold Allen. I think he's very tough, and I still think he's young, and I think there's still a lot of upside there, to be honest. Losing to Max and losing to Ivalov, nothing to sneeze at. Tough fights there. Um, but Ivalov had that fight with Diego Lopez where he barely beat that one. And then this one, I don't know. He's not losing, but I don't think he's getting a lot of the support he needs from the people and the boss, quite frankly. 
Um, on the prelims, I got the impression everybody hates Priscilla Cachuera. And they were pretty happy to watch Yasmin uh, Jazdavicius just beat her ass. I don't know what happened exactly that we hate her. I guess she cheated in a fight a bunch of times and did a bunch of like fish hooking and I put, I don't know. Then she showed up like 10 pounds over and they had to change the fight to Bantamweight. Apparently she got her ass whooped the entire time and then still got finished at the end. So people seem pretty thrilled in her demise. Charles Jordan made some weird, I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke or something that he lost the decision because the judges are trans or something. I didn't even know what, what the point of that was. I thought he lost. Though, and I'm not trans, so. And I mean, he tried to fool everyone that he won too, right? Well, that was the one where, like, Sean and Charles. They say Sean and Charles sound similar. I'm like, if you can't talk, they do. What do we? (laughs) When I was watching it, I couldn't really hear too. So, like, when he just raised his hand, I thought I just assumed they said his name, and I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm kind of surprised. I thought. Woodson did enough to win there, and then they're like, "Oh no, no, no! You got it." Right. It was just—it was confusion. The was only crazy. Canadians to win tonight were Jillian uh, Roberts and Jasmine Jazdevicius. The rest the of the Canadians too. all lost. Both of them won performance of the night. Fight of the night went to Drickus and Sean Strickland. Uh, uh, kind of by default. Um, again, these people who think this was some sort of instant classic, I—I'm just to convince you guys just picked up watching fighting like. Right after Sean Strickland beat Izzy. Which, welcome to MMA. I'll say that. Um, this this wasn't that good. This was this was bad. If you paid money for this, you you made a mistake. Um, I saw a bunch of... The idea of how many new fans there are to Mark came to be when I saw that when Frankie Edgar was going into the Hall of Fame. A bunch of comments were like, oh, who just, uh, just gets knocked out all the time? Who's there? Like, people just don't know what we're dealing with, who they were dealing with here. Frankie Edgar is a fucking Hall of Famer. Fucking with a bullet. With a fucking bullet, man. And it seemed like it meant a lot to him. So if it means a lot to him, I'm happy for him. And if you don't care about the Hall of Fame, I get that too. So, um, it's, it's almost like the Hall of Fame in the UFC is kind of like, here's a gold watch for all your time at this company. We appreciate your loyalty more so than ability. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I mean, people got got all angry about the Jim Miller thing. And I'm like, dude, who cares? If you want to give it to him, give it to him. There's no standards for this thing. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, that's all fair. Also, people are just like, DC was like, well, what if somebody else has the most wins later? And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Look at the other sports Hall of Fames. There's plenty of dudes who went in in the 1940s that, yeah, they wouldn't be necessarily in if it was the standards were of today. We're not fucking time travelers, though, though. So that's it. Yeah. You got to appreciate what someone does in the time that they were around. You know, you can't expect records to be held in, you know continuity forever like yeah, he's not always we, gonna have the most wins you know things records are meant to I'm, be I'm broken but you can still acknowledge how much i dislike dc in his retirement i'll be honest with you i did not expect that if you told me in the future how much i would dislike dc and like just be like john jones might have been the baby face in this feud <laughs> just by default by the way dana white having texts where he's shitting on john jones and dc for some reason has to comment on them and said oh john jones is a bad employee that's just like He's not an employee. The DC not know, does DC think he was an employee this whole time, Mark? Well, I mean, does he DC is now, know but... he has? Does DC know he has to go pay Social Security and Medicare now? What he was from the time? Has DC paid his taxes? Does he think he was the UFC was taking those taxes out this whole time? I'm a little concerned if I'm DC and like he's just turbo taxing it or something. <laughs> he need a better tax guy, DC. You might owe a lot of money. Um, yeah, this wasn't a good card. There's no reason to lie about it. It wasn't good. Um, 
They're going to be back next week. They, we said it wasn't good. We said it wasn't good on paper, and in that sense, it lived up. Um, I thought they were this weekend. They're fighting again. They're not fighting till next weekend. And don't worry, we're back in the apex, baby. Uh, Molly McCann's on the prelims in the apex. She just got a reality show. What happened? Um, Roman Delice, which Mark's going to remember who he is. I'm going to think about two days before that fight actually happens. Nasruddin Imavov, Hanato Moikano, and Drew Dober. I'm excited for that one. Uh, Muslim Salikov uh, versus Randy Brown. I mean, Muslim was like 6-0 in the UFC. Now he's lost to some people you shouldn't lose to. So, Yeah, and then the following week, they are going to be in the apex again. Because why not? Why wouldn't you just to keep doing this? Um, I think that RoboCop guy is taking on Brad Tavares. Yeah, it's RoboCop. Um, and then uh, Jack Hermanson, Joe Pfeiffer is a good fight. It's almost if you took those four fights I mentioned, Mark, and put them on one fight night and put it in front of some people, you might sell some tickets. Just my two yeah, cents. It'd be decent, yeah. But, yeah, hmm. just my two cents. Just what do I know? Just the guy who you know is a consumer for this product. Um, we got some news this week, though, man. Let's talk about a fight card. Uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about the announcements we got for UFC 300, a card that has got people all fucking riled up. Got a couple fights announced. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it was shortly after we did the the episode last week, we found out, you know, a couple more uh, fights for UFC 300, the big tent pole, which we're all super excited for. Um, we got another belt. Not a real belt. It's, it's the fake belt, but it's on the line, I guess, with uh, Justin Gaethje is going to be fighting Max Holloway, which still an interesting fight, you know, and, and we talked about it, um, you know, in our own time after. And I do favor Gaethje in that, mostly because we've seen Holloway, he only came up to 55 once, and he did fight Dustin Poirier, which is a, a, a tough out. Um, but, you know, you do some of your MMA math, Gaethje just beat Dustin. You know, I, I think it's not out of the realm to think that, you know, it's just going to be a little too much for Max to come up. But it's still on paper, a really exciting fight. Yeah, 49-46 really across the board back in 2019 when he his last foray into lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other fight also was announced, too, for UFC 300. One that I was looking mm-hmm. forward to. I might be looking forward to quite a bit now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we, we did get an opponent for Jim Miller. It wasn't the gentleman that, you know, the guys that he was talking about. Um, but he did pull Bobby Green. And I think that's a really fun fight, too. I think maybe I, I do favor Bobby in that fight. I do think he has a lot of momentum on his side, even though Jim just won his last fight, too. Um, actually, I know Wait, Bobby, no, Bobby just got murdered. Remember, it was one of the worst stoppages ever. Jalen Turner was beating his ass for a good 15 seconds beyond consciousness, leaving Bobby Green's body. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I still think I still think he's got Jim's number. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Bobby Green got knocked out so bad. I'm a little concerned that he's even fighting this suit. That was not it's that true, long but, ago. But Jalen Turner, I do consider to be a prospect and someone who I think is on the rise and was a tough fight for him. Um, but Jim is just like, I feel like he's got a lot of miles on him. I think stylistically he matches up a little better. I don't think he's going to have the reach advantage, which I think was a big factor for Bobby Green in his last fight. It should be fun. I, I think I think Bobby's a favorite in that one in my eyes, but we'll see. You Maybe know what's Jim interesting? Pulls it out. That'd be cool. I think I said we talked about it with Jim Miller. I said he's adapted him his style and well to his aging. And I mm. don't think Bobby Green's done that on any level. No, I think Bobby Bobby, Bobby Green still fights fight. the same fucking way and he gets cracked every third or fourth fight, and you're just like, oh fuck, Bobby. That chin's not getting better, obviously. Chin's no. not getting any better. I'd like to fight Max and Justin, but 
kind of reeks of desperation a little bit, especially oh, yeah. since like what's his name just said he wants to fight Dust, uh, Justin in June. Um, Islam said, I want to fight mm -hmm. Justin in June. And then at the other end, Max, first time in a long time, the possibility of someone not named Alex Volkanovsky being front of the way champion is on the table. Like, a lot of people are picking Ilya Teporia. And like, hey man, Ilya wins. Maybe like, Max has got life again in this way class. Like maybe Volk is just done. Like we're that confident mm -hmm. Volk's going to get an immediate rematch in this fucking day and age. You know, especially the way Ilya fights. If Volk loses, it may not be the most, you know, pleasant way it goes. It just feels like we're really throwing a lot, couple things in the air here. Like, I just feels like we needed to book a fight. And we just made this fake belt up anyway. And here we are. So. Well, 300 has just been really weird because we keep getting more fights announced for it. But we still don't know the main. And that's just not how. They, they haven't made Leon and Bilal official either. So I'm, I'm starting to think. I was making a joke for a while. Are we headed towards Leon get Edwards main eventing UFC 300? Because I'm going to laugh quite a bit. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really re reeks of them not knowing what to put for the main. You know, and, and and maybe when we finally figure out what it is, they will have some, you know, big surprise or whatever the case may be. But usually pay-per-views, we find out who's headlining, like, first and foremost. Like we, And that's usually how you sell a card. Now, with 300, it might be, this is 300, we could sell it on that merit alone. But it has been like every time he's announced a bunch of fights, like this isn't the main event. This isn't the main event, you know, because there's been title. There's title fights on this card. But he's like, no, 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 we have something special. And it does just seem like they know they need to, people are, are anticipating something big. And because of, again, we talk about it every week, how they book these cards and they're not, you know, thinking forward enough. They're kind of just trying to cobble together. Like, what can we scrape together that's going to make it seem like this was the plan all I mean, along? they're also feeding into... If they weren't feeding into it, like, just mm -hmm. finally this week... Dana White for a while is like, I got something up my sleeve. And then this week, he's like, yeah, I wouldn't be expecting some sort of wild thing. Brock Lesnar's 45 years old. You know, yada, yada, yada. Like, I, you did this. You got all these people who weren't around. A lot of these people weren't around, Mark, for 200. A lot of people weren't around for 100. And fuck, man, those of us who were are thinking like UFC 100 had Brock versus Frank Mir, co-main mm. event. GSP has not been a co-main event in anything, I think, since or anytime after that. Mm. GSP versus Tiago Alves, which at the time, Tiago Alves was a fucking murderer, basically. Like, he was on all the best supplements. And he was huge. And then you had, uh, but people still watched the Ultimate Fighter, Bisping and Hendo. Like, that mm -hmm. was the three. And then UFC 200... Had they brought Brock Lesnar back, okay, they had a title fight in Misha versus Amanda, which became the main event because they booked the best fighter in the fucking world, John Jones, to fight Daniel Cormier in the re rematch. Rematch. Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe the rematch. Yeah, I think it was the rematch. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And like, they, I think it was because DC had the belt. Yeah, because Jones had to like get his shit together, as DC put it. Mm -hmm. There's still that video of Dana White telling DC that John tested positive and DC looks like a man that is just... The fact that they made DC take less money to fight Anderson Silva on 24 hours wet notice might be one of the more cruel things they've ever done to a motherfucker. Just putting that out there. Sure. David Dusty, yeah, they called Anderson Silva on like two days notice and said, hey man, can you show up and fight? And he's like, all right, sure. Like, he spent a whole lot of time right now trying to make sure nobody's bigger than the promotion except for this one Irish dude who you accidentally let him get too big. I don't know why Connor's not the main event. 
I need that explained to me at some point why Connor and Chandler isn't the main event. Like, I mean, they got rid of Yasada. That seems like this could have all been. They've already but tested I, I Connor don't know twice. If Connor was ready. They already tested yeah, him I don't twice. Know if Connor was ready. Yeah, he said Connor been wanting to fight for six months. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do they really think that they don't need him for 300 because 300 sells itself? That's got to be it. Because we'll like, he said he's, we'll he said he's ready for international fight week. And Dana's like, oh, it's unreliable. We'll, we'll make the announcement. I'm like, the guy, the guy fighting is unreliable? Because Michael Chandler seems to agree that that's when they're fighting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what they're doing, man. We talked about it all the time. There's no planning. These people like succeed in, you know, despite their efforts, it feels like at times. Um, and then I don't know if we talked about it, but the Saudis telling the UFC, fuck your bullshit card you've put together for us. Um, I don't know if we talked about the Bellator PFL card, but I think we did. But I don't know if we I don't know if we did because I think that's when Dana did the UFC 300 because and that's the other thing that's like been kind of sad about all this is like Dana likes to position the it UFC. It got announced like, it, on January 16th. When did we do the, when the podcast was that's when the podcast came out. It was already we already recorded. All right, fuck, let's talk about it real quickly. Fucking Bellator and PFL just loaded up their car to go to Saudi Arabia with every fucking thing they had, all their guns. Every gun not named Kayla Harrison and Cyborg is on is in this thing. Jake Paul and Naganu. Well, okay, they're kind of, I mean, realistically. Which, which which I think is good. I think I think it's really that they were able to put on the caliber of card that they are without using those uh, you know, bullets in their chamber, so they still have them for ed- future pay per views. I think it's smart. Um, um, but yeah, it, it's it's good. Dude, they have their heavyweight champion. They have Henan Ferreira and Ryan Bader, both heavyweight champions. Impa Kasagane, who's the light heavyweight champion of PFL, is dropping down the middleweight to take on the middleweight champion Johnny Eblen of Bellator, because Fadim Nemkov says he's not coming back to two hundred five. The Bellator light heavyweight champion says he's going up to heavyweight. Um, by the way. Don't know why. I never thought he was that big, Mark, to be honest. Don't know what's going on there. Uh, Jesus Pineda, Patricio Ferrer are both 145-pound champions, I think. Magomed, Magomed Karakov, Jason Jackson at 170. Yoel's on the card against um, Thiago Santos. Vadim Nemkov is fighting at heavyweight against Campoloza. is a good fighter. I know you haven't watched a lot of PFL, um, or anybody has, quite frankly. Clay Collard, AJ McKee's a good one. That's a sneaky good one. They threw a uh, Clarissa Shields on there. Aaron Pico's on the fucking prelims. Like, this is what you do when fucking motherfuckers mm-hmm. are paying you millions of dollars, Mark. It's what you do. <laughs> That's yeah. And you want to put a pay-per-view on, so. I mean, we knew they were going to do something like this, right? That's the whole point in why they b- bought Bellator. And then we talked about it, you know, uh, in our free time again about, like, I kind of argued, like, well, you know, how often can they do a champion versus champion because how how long are these bellator champions going to be bellator mm-hmm. champions are they going to be defending these bellator belts just so they can continue to have these events i don't know i don't know what they're going to do so you know they might not have a lot of opportunities to kind of have a brand versus brand kind of showdown like this which i think is really appealing and really cool i think that's like the coolest thing you can do when you buy an organization is like hey let's have all the champions fight each other in this big grand tournament of champions you know i think that's awesome um, so we'll see. It, it's a great card. Yeah, I'm really excited. You want people, you want to, I mean, going pay-per-view is bold, but okay. Yeah. Same yeah, night as not uh, a lot. UFC for free, too. UFC's for free that day, yeah. or that night. Yeah, there's there's just not a lot the PFL could do to, from my personal standpoint, who does not, you know, really consume their product at all. There's not a lot of cards they could put out where it's going to be like, oh, I'm excited to see that. 
And they did just that on this. And I think that's exactly what they have to do is they have to say, like, look, when we said we're going to be, you know, in equal footing of the UFC, you have to put forward a product that people are like, I'm willing to pay money for. And maybe if I watch this, maybe I'll I'll, we'll start watching more of their their regular PFL stuff. You know, who knows? Um, But they have to kind of show like when we put our best foot forward. The belts aren't on the line at all. These are just three, which I like. They're not having fucking five five round fights. Three five round five minutes. Three five three five uh, five three round fights basically. Or three five minute rounds. I said that poorly. Um, UFC put some trash card together. They were trying to convince Saudi Arabia to get Saudi Arabia is like, yeah, we're not. Your that check's not going to clear, homie. We're not. You're just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And then Dana White's like, oh, we never offered a card to the Saudis, which you're like, well, that's a lie. And then he said, uh, the I don't really think about the class action, which is. You know that second part was a lie because the first part is definitely a lie because fighters have talked about being on the Saudi card. It's just a lie for the sake of lying sometimes here, bro. Like, anyway, <laughs> I do like the idea that these motherfuckers are have to be can't be like are being dictated to by somebody else. I kind of like that. I like mm-hmm. how they're being forced to do stuff, even if it's in the Saudi Arabia context. Um. All right. Um. Yeah. Let's do um. Let's do our top five and then do stuff we like because we're about an hour in. Sure. So yeah. in honor of this weekend being. And maybe this is why there's no UFC event. The most fun wrestling event of the year, I'd say, if you do it the way we're doing it especially, but even if not, it's the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is an annual event where 30 competitors come down. Two two competitors start every 90 seconds. Another competitor comes down until we have 30 competitors. During this time, the goal is to throw the other competitors over the top rope to the floor with both feet touching the ground. The winner at the end being the last person in the ring, and they get to then uh, decide which championship they're going to vie for at WrestleMania, and in theory be in the main event. That last part's been a little bit muddy, quite frankly, given WrestleMania's two days, there's multiple world titles, yada, yada, yada. There's a men's and female Royal Rumble. Uh, We're going to be watching it, but in honor of that, our top five list is going to be our top five favorite professional wrestlers of all time. We're going to do our best not to have overlap. I do think if Mark and I were going to have overlap, there's like one or one guy, maybe. And even then, I don't know how much Mark went in the weeds here. So I, uh, I'll i lead off here because I know one you're not going to give necessarily. And that is uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho Man was probably my first favorite wrestler as a kid. When I barely knew what wrestling was, I had a wrestling buddy, which was those little dolls that you beat the shit mm-hmm. out of. And I had Macho Man. We had Macho Man in my house, and I think we had another one, too. I want to say Warrior. Maybe. It wasn't Hogan. I want to say Warrior. Macho Man has been my favorite for a very long time, and as I got older, I learned that Macho Man was also a popular person among the more serious wrestling fans, I guess, for lack of a better term. They appreciated that in an era where a lot of guys didn't do a lot of stuff, Macho Man was actually a very good wrestler in ring. His matches were great. Him and Ricky Steamboat still have one of the greatest matches of all time of WrestleMania. Um, which it still holds up fucking 40 years later, which is impressive in itself, honestly. Um, but yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage, you all know who he is. You know, snap into a Slim Jim. That's him. You ever seen the first Spider-Man movie? That's Bonesaw. He's got you for five minutes. I got you for, is it five minutes? Or whatever. Don't that, yeah. I got you for five minutes. You're going nowhere. Everybody does a Macho Man impersonation. It's like the oh, wrestling. Yeah. It's like the wrestling fan version of a Yoda impersonation, okay? Love mm-hmm. Macho Man. That's my first one. Marcus. 
Yeah, you know, um, when I was writing these down or figuring out, uh, one, I, I did, and I always know this, I, I do like mid-level guys way mm-hmm. more than this top stars. Um, and a couple of these guys, I do think we potentially have some overlap, but I don't want to just, like, steal some of your faves just to get them out of from... No, I don't care. I got, like, ten. I got, like, I got, I, got, I, got, I still okay, watch wrestling. So, I got a few new ones I'll throw in well, there. Well, yeah, I figured you have some some new, uh, some new but guys, Mark, too, I'm but I'm going to go... I'm waiting for it. Uh, yeah, I knew, I, I knew you... you, you you think I'd pick that person? They're on my list. I don't know if I'll necessarily put That's them on. That's disappointing. All right, we'll just, see. <laughs> um, I'm gonna start with. I, I did think about Macho Man because I, uh, you know, he's a classic. Um, and when you brought up the wrestling buddy, it did remind me I had Hogan mm-hmm. on my thing for a while. But um, I'm actually gonna start with Vader, a big Ooh, man, big man. <laughs> um, and for me, I think I've always I one thing I I always appreciated about Vader was like. One, he, he's a stiff... I mean, one, pro wrestling for me was kind of a middle ground till I found MMA, right? Like, it was mm-hmm. really a thing where... I liked I liked pro wrestling as, like, a really young kid when Macho Man and Hulk were really popular. It kind of dropped off, and then I remember when I kind of got back into pro wrestling um, was when WCW and WWF were still around. And I was when everybody got more, into wrestling in the late '90s, basically. <laughs> yeah, but I was I was way more into WCW because mm. back then, and it was like right before the NWO kind of came because it was more grounded, right? I just felt like when I, when I saw WWF, it was like this shit's kooky. You got gold dust. There's all these characters are just like you know larger than life, just too kooky. And WCW always seemed really grounded. And, and Vader was like a very grounded, like this is a big, strong dude that likes to fuck people up and like like people say he works stiff like he likes and, and again like it was kind of this thing like i liked i like pro wrestling because i like the the matches and the storytelling of like the actual kind of you know how you tell a story in a match um and like promos and stuff really i mean don't get me wrong like there's some guys that do great promos like macho man is just like some guys are just captivating on the mic but a lot of times it just feels like fucking filler um, but Vader was one of those guys, like, you saw him wrestle, like, yeah, this guy, I legitimately think he could fuck up just about anybody. Like, just the way he fights, the way he, you know, punches and kicks. Did you like, see? This stuff does not seem fake. He has that one match where, like, his eye is, like, out of his socket almost when he's fighting, I think it's, in Japan, him and Stan Hansen just just beat each other up. It, just beating the fuck out of each other. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing that kind of also put him over, because I knew about him in the States. I thought he was really cool. He had the big ram helmet thing he had a and it fucking like it steam persona. came out of that motherfucker steam came out of great. it yeah it was it was badass um but it was really when i learned like oh this guy went over to japan and was like the triple crown champion and he was like a big deal over there i was like okay that's really cool yeah so vader's always been and a lot of these guys on my list are like when i when i play the 2k games like these are the guys if they're not on the roster i'm like the first ones i'm downloading because i just gotta play is them. vader's always one of those guys just always love beating people up with vader so yeah there you go um, I'm gonna go. Uh, this is a really easy one, but in terms of why I was a wrestling fan and the peak of my wrestling fandom, and the peak of a lot of people's wrestling fandom, um, the man who I consider the greatest of all time in terms of WWF, I don't think it's a d- debate. Uh, I think it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think Hulk Hogan helped build the WWF, but Stone Cold Steve Austin saved that, saved the company. They owe him everything. And I know we live in a world of revisionist history and they talk about the fucking... First of all, when they talk about that era, Mark, they talk about how WCW was just a bad TV show somehow. 
as if they didn't have every fucking good lucha. Like, the whole WCW undercard ruled, for the record. All those luchadors. Fucking great. Benoit, Malenko, all those guys. Um, But WWF had Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was... I, I think I think I can meet a lot of people and not like I'm a grown man. I'm almost forty. I'm not gonna get starstruck. I think if I met Stone Cold, I might just be like, oh my god, you're Stone Cold. Like when I was 12, 13 years old, Stone Cold was more or less like the hero of every fucking teenage boy. Like he was just the coolest motherfucker that ever was. And he was the he was like the coolest dude for everybody age like 13 to fucking 45, Mark, it felt like, with just he flipped off his boss. He did whatever he wanted. Fucking the thing Sean Strickland is going for might be Stone Cold Steve Austin is what I'm getting at. But, you know, without the horribleness. Every fucking week, this, Mark, you know it was a one-month span where Stone Cold drove the Zamboni, fucking crushed the Corvette, fucking, uh, and then, like, hit Vince McMahon with the bedpan. It was all one month. That is one month in history. Like, Stone Cold was so cool. And I talked about it last week when I said, um... We're talking about great Canadians. Stone Cold has my favorite wrestling match ever, which is him versus Bret Hart. A lot of that's Bret Hart. I might be saying Bret Hart's name again. We'll see. But um, Stone Cold, for me, the greatest of all time. And yeah, people will talk about the attitude WWE coming coming back from losing because of Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker, Mankind, DX. Everybody I said after Stone Cold is a big second on that reason. It's him. It's him and Vince McMahon every week, Stone Cold tormenting his boss. That's what saved this company. And for me, love Stone Cold. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this on, I mean, I wasn't as big on Stone Cold, but I will say I do like, like halfway through his kind of like run in WWE, he did, like he was always good on the mic, mm. but the whole what thing. Oh my God. Really kind of just spawned <laughs> into like the next era of him. Oh, just he, like, ru- really he ruined fun. people's promos for the next 20 years. <laughs> they couldn't figure it was fun. Like it's still fun. It's still I drank good, tequila. What? Beer. What? <laughs> Three gins. What? Four vodkas. And and you have to mention the, the glass breaking for his entrance song. Oh. It was just like, I, I think, you know, back then, like the entrance song, whatever that first thing was, you can tell when the guy's coming out, like the glass, like everyone. Well, he said that uh, when you hear the glass break, that's your ass, basically. Like, I'm, that's it. You're yeah. done. So that's my number two. Yeah. Stone Cold. I'm not in any order, yeah. but so, go ahead. <laughs> right. Okay. Since this, I, we, you got in two out of the way. I'm gonna take one that I was like, this is probably one of one of Bob's favorite. I mean, and I think, yeah, and I think it's I know, anybody. I was, that was the one I thought you were gonna say. We both agree on. Yeah, and we if, have, if we it's paid any, twenty I mean, bucks for a fucking picture with the man, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and you, I mean, you couldn't see because it's not a visual medium. But uh, Bobby was doing the R- RVD thumbs to yourself. I mean, we were both really big ECW fans. Um, I mean, the product that they were putting on was just spectacular and do you remember what channel it was on was it fucking tbs tnn which became spike which became now paramount which may not exist anymore yeah but like we you'd watch they had they had their one week show i think it was an hour show you remember rob 45 minutes of fucking commercials like you you couldn't watch when they started the show though we were so excited that they were getting a show be able to see it because it was such an underground thing and then i mean there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of good guys in, in um, ECW, and there's a couple on my list here that you know I still might mention. But like Rob was the outlier. He was the one breaking the mold. He was the one doing shit that like didn't seem real. He was the most creative. Um, and then even when you know he eventually went over to um, the WWF, like he still was kind of that guy. He never really 
propelled as high as I think we thought he could. I think he did get the championship belt. At yeah, some then point. he tested, then he got arrested for maybe having weed a week later. It kind of derailed a lot of stuff. Yeah, Which, but like we only. <laughs> yeah, he was just he was just such a unique kind of personality, and you know, Bill Alfonso as the manager, like because he wasn't great on the mic. His persona was like this weird stoner guy that's like didn't really like make a ton of sense, but like it all just worked for like. The sh- he put on a fantastic display of athleticism and everyone in the arena knew who the fuck this guy was. And that like when he was coming out to wrestler who regardless of who was on the other side, you were going to see some kind of crazy stuff you hadn't seen before. So like RVD, I remember we watched him and Jerry Lynn wrestle that match. Maybe like those are so 20, good. 30 times. Like it was all the cool. Uh, the fact that everybody can wrestle now and everybody does cool moves back in the day. wasn't like that. RVD was like that. Dude, yeah. watching RVD tag with Taz's son a month or so ago was one of the more surreal things for me. Real talk. I was just like, this is absurd. Yeah. How does he still look like this? How is he still hitting the frog splash? It's not as far as it used to be, but he still looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to go with whatever variation and you want to go with a Mick Foley. Um, and um, there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, part of it is I read his book when I was a kid. And I remember we all read his book, actually. I know you did, too. It was one of the best books mm-hmm. I read at the time, and it was Absolutely. so real. And, like, he wrote it himself on, like, yellow legal pad, apparently. By hand, he wrote the whole thing. And Mick Foley explaining why he does what he does and why he takes the chances he does. And, like, he's going to do a fucking somersault onto concrete in a 14, in a, for $40 at a high school gymnasium in fucking Poughkeepsie or something. Because there's 10 guys there who's never seen Mankind, who's never seen Mick Foley wrestle before, you know? And sure, you know, probably he's not moving around as well as he should these days. And he probably um, inspired a lot of bad, bad wrestling and a lot of bad fucking backyard schmucks. Mick Foley was an excellent performer, though. Bell to bell. Mick Foley, when he was in shape on his game, like, I remember how good he was. And he's still responsible for one of the craziest matches any of us have ever seen. When Undertaker heaved him over the off the side of a fucking cage. Mm -hmm. That, like... This was like the internet had, was barely a thing. None of us were paying for pay-per-views. And I remember hearing like online that like, yo, fucking Undertaker might have killed Mick Foley. He just threw him over the fucking side of a cage. Like, and then he got up and threw, got thrown through the cage. Um, still for me, one of the coolest things that's ever, I've ever, uh, moments ever. And this is a testament to his opponent too, and being Triple H, was when they were in a feud and then Mick Foley, as Mankind said, they were going to wrestle at the Rumble. And he said, um, I am not. Mankind is not prepared to face Triple H at the Rumble, but I know somebody else who is. And like, man, Triple H is laughing in the cage. And this is the only reason it worked. This Triple H sold this like he seen fucking Bigfoot. Mick Foley takes off his fucking mask, unbuttons the white shirt. He's wearing the Cactus Jack shit. Yeah, yeah. And, tra- and Triple H sells it like, oh my god, oh my god, I gotta face this legend Cactus Jack. And Mark and I, I used to buy VHS types of wrestling. Back in the day, Mark and I watched King of the Death Match '95. I was gonna say that was my favorite. Yeah, and that was like, even though the main event with Terry Funk, the ring was supposed to explode, and instead a bunch of fireworks went off, and Terry <laughs> Funk puts his arms out like, "What do you want me to do, bro?" Uh, I mean, Mick's a crazy person, but Mick's also given so much to everybody, and I love Mick Foley. And I'm leaning, I probably still go Cat Mankind over Cactus Jack, but it's and dude, love was fucking hilarious too. He's just a good wrestler, all in all, no matter what you get did for him. So, next one for you. Yeah, we'll keep this going. Um, I'm going to stay in the ECW realm 
And it's another another one that Bobby was a big fan of. We all were big fans of this guy. Um, love Taz. I always yeah. just thought Taz was just the coolest. I mean, I mean, obviously he stole some of his gimmick was Mike Tyson when he just came out with the towel. But like it was just he had such an aura to him. And it was like it again, like it was this aura he came out with, and then like just how he fought, because again, a guy who fought really stiff, right? Like you felt like when this guy was throwing you around and doing his forearm hits, like he's not holding back. Like he's really trying to fucking hurt these dudes to really put on a show. Um, and I just love like all the suplexes, you know, it wasn't. And again, like I, as someone, you know, for a wrestling fan, I did, even though I just put RVD, like I liked guys that were more grounded that had more of like what they call like a strong style or what, what replicated more of like a real fight or an MMA fight, right? Like, suplexes you do in greco-roman wrestling you, you i mean his forearm strikes weren't really punches but he's basically just grounding and pounding people and stuff you know so like i always liked those guys that that made pro wrestling seem more real than, than it was right because like i've seen a lot of fights no one's ever pulling off a virtual uh vertical suplex okay no one's grabbing you by the tights and doing a stalling brain buster you know like it takes a lot of coordination on both ends for that stuff to work but if you get under some dude's center of mass you can flip him the fuck over, and that's what Taz did. Um, and I like the Taz mission was a good finisher. And then when he did eventually make the jump to WWE, I thought he had a great entrance. He fought, you know, Kurt Angle for the first time. And it, and it was kind of sad that, like, they built him up to be the Taz we knew from ECW. And pretty quickly they're like, you know what, let's get you Do in you the think booth. Vince didn't know how short Taz was? That's my working theory. I don't- because Taz was like as tall know, as like you at best, maybe as tall as me. I think I think not once tall, they kind of did, yeah. Once they kind of did like him and the King. It's just like if you're making the King Jerry Lawler. Hey, look, like had his heyday was a great pro wrestler, you know, back in the day. But when you're having him take spots, you know, Taz is losing to Jerry the King. It's just like it kind of fucked this up. Like this guy's a real badass, and he kind of declawed. Oh, him. we were so pissed when he when the, when the, the Jr. hit him with a candy jar and then. King beat Taz, and I was like, "What are we?" He's a great commentator. God bless. He turned that around. He yeah, was, and his yeah. son is—he pivoted really. His well. son and is his very. T- did you watch? Were you watching when his son? Were you over when his son was wrestling or not? I think I saw him wrestle yeah, he, like once. He does the same. Good. She does all the moves his dad does, except he's young and handsome. It's impressive. Yeah. Taz has had him. Taz had that move where he called it the cross face, but it was just him standing behind the guy and clubbing him across the fucking face. Um, yeah. That was great. Um, yeah. All right, I'm going to go with a more recent one now. Um, I think this guy might be the best actual wrestler, bell to bell, I've ever seen. Um, and for a long time, I thought that was probably Bret Hart. Uh, it's not to me. It's Brian Danielson. Daniel Bryan, American Dragon, whatever you want to call him. He's so good. He is so good, Mark. Like, I was watching, I went. To, I was lucky enough to attend uh, Revolution, the pay-per-view name was, the AEW one. This is Brian at the end of his career, man. And he go he went one hour with MJF one hour and change because it's a you know Iron Man match you got to go a couple minutes extra <laughs> and like how like twenty minutes into it I'm like Drew we're with our I'm with our friend Drew and I'm like Drew is this guy the best ever and Drew's like maybe like he's every everything he does is for a reason he's not doing a bunch of wild shit for the sake of doing it Mark he's just everything is with purpose everything looks like it fucking is miserable for his opponent. He does like this move called the cattle mutilation, which looks like this submission from hell. Okay. He's doing the fucking surfboard. I didn't know the surfboard was actually a move people did, Mark. I thought it was just a game for a move from the game. Remember the mm-hmm. W game had the surfboard move? Yeah, Nobody did that shit in real life. 
Um, he is so good. And he is, I think, the best actual bell-to-bell performer I've ever seen. A lot of people go Ric Flair. A lot of people go Shawn Michaels. A lot of people go Bret Hart. And it's everybody has their own opinion. A lot of people say Okada. A lot of people say Kenny Omega. Like, for me, Brian Danielson is better than anybody I've ever seen. And um, the version of him in WWE was excellent. And the version of him where he can do whatever he wants, where he can go out there with Minoru Suzuki and just fucking slap each other for 20 fucking minutes. Excellent. And he's gotten so much better over time with his character. I was just laughing my ass off a couple of weeks ago when he was getting the crowd to chant, he's a bum at Eddie Kingston in the middle of a wrestling match. I was laughing so hard. Um, I think Brian Daniels is the fucking best. And I'm so glad I actually was able to see him wrestle. There's a couple of guys I've been... Never got to, I never saw the Macho Man wrestle, you know? Seen Stone Cold a few times, we mm-hmm. went to Monday Night Raw. Um, I don't know if we ever saw RVD. Honestly, I don't remember. I know we saw him, because he yelled at you, he, he, he got angry leaving, at you. Yeah. I don't know if I ever saw him wrestle, I don't remember, probably. You know, I think we probably saw Mick wrestle. But we didn't go to any pay-per-views uh, during that time. We mm-hmm. always went to, like, Raws and shit like that, now that I think about it. Um, okay, that was my fourth one. Who's your fourth one? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to pick – you mentioned them, and because you mentioned these other guys that were, like, the really good, high, high, you know, top-shelf wrestlers, um, this is the, the more recent guy that I've always been a fan of. And I, I, I say that, but it's like you don't I haven't a seen a ton of his yeah. matches. Yeah, I don't watch a lot, and I haven't watched, um, you know, when they started AEW, and they, he was a big part of it, but it, it's Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's not only um, – that the few matches I saw, which was uh, I saw the one in New Japan. Was it Okada? What's that guy's name? The one, the, the crazy one, Okada. Play. Yeah, that one. That's Okada. Yeah, he does the he does the 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 clothesline. Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. Okada. Yeah, um, like that was such a good match. And, and then it, I mean, too, I think he he per, puts he goes over on a personal level because of all the video game influences from Final Fantasy. I mean, not even just like just video games. Like they're like my favorite fucking video games of all time. Final Fantasy VII, his finisher is the one winged angel. And then Street Fighter, you know, the mechanic in Street Fighter V was the V-Trigger, which he names his new moves after. Isn't, he, I mean, in, isn't of, he in the game as one of them, too? Like, isn't he, like, DLC, like, something with Cody or something? Well, I think he's, um, I think he might be in, like, the Yakuza uh, He also came out dressed as Sephiroth. That's a Final Fantasy thing, right? And, like... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, his, he his does, one-wing he's, angel. He loves fucking games. That's his all yeah, shit. Yeah, so, I mean, there's that, there's that part, but it's mostly just, like... Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear about these five star matches, and when I finally watched, it, I was like, "Holy shit, this was that was really something else." That was maybe like some of the best match matches I've ever seen. And you know, I and I, I totally agree with you. I've seen Daniel Bryan fight a couple times, but I never really seen him in like that type of match necessarily, mm-hmm. where it's been like I've been blown away. Um, but yeah, Kenny Omega was is definitely one of those new guys that like I definitely have a ton of respect for. I think he just does really good work. Um, our last one. And by the way, you've noticed none of us have said any female wrestlers. Um, I'm going to be honest. It's because they did not take female. We, they, they did not treat females as serious wrestlers at any point during our fandom. And we're mostly talking about our fandom coming up. If I was going to say a female wrestler right now, the answer would be Sasha Banks. Just letting you know that right now. That's my favorite female wrestler. Her. It's her. Just saying. But that's yeah, what I'm, going I'm just there. not, D- not familiar. D- dude, we grew up in an era where Trish Stratus was in a bikini barking like a dog. Yeah, that was a real thing they did, by the way, on TV. Anytime you want to get angry about what's happening in the world right now in wrestling, remember they put that on TV. Just don't forget. Um, All right, I'm going to go with... um, I was going to go with, like, Edge and Christian, because they're my favorite tag team when we were kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, 
Maybe that, or I was going to go with Hangman. He's my favorite wrestler right now. I'm going to go with Rey Mysterio because when I was a kid, it blew my fucking mind. Everything about Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio still wrestling the way he does is wild to me because I think he's had like six knee surgeries, which makes sense given his style. Rey Mysterio is five foot three. If you told me he was more than 145 pounds, I think you're a fucking liar, to be honest. He's probably less than that. Rey Mysterio's been doing this that I've been watching Rey Mysterio since 1997. I have a VH, I had a VHS tape of, tape of Halloween Havoc 1997. And this wasn't just Rey, the opponent was Eddie Guerrero. Maybe the best ever for a lot of people. They put on the best wrestling match for me that WCW ever put on. It's my favorite, one of my favorite matches ever. Number one, still Stone Cold and Brett. That's right there. That was one of my favorite matches ever. Everything Rey Mysterio ever did blew my mind. I remember he did this thing where he's holding Eddie's hand. And then he does a backflip. He springboards. He does a backflip off the top rope. And then he lands in a DDT on Eddie Guerrero. And I just couldn't wrap my head around that. And that was 97. And, like, people do that. If people did that today, you'd be fucking, like, amazed. Like, again, people weren't doing this stuff back in the day. There was, like, there was a lot of just punching, you know? It was fine. You don't have to do all the cool moves mm -hmm. in the world. But Eddie, but people who change the game, like Mick, people change the game, like RVD, the way Kenny Omega changes the game right now, these all mean something. And Rey Mysterio, to me, as a kid, like, I remember when WWF finally got him, and I'm just like, this man is going to sell so many fucking masks to kids. WCW never sold the masks, Mark. Like, do you know how many masks <laughs> Rey Mysterio has sold at fucking live events to children? Oh, my God. Like, Rey Mysterio's God. And he's like 50 years old, and he's still doing this thing. He started when he was like 15 in Tijuana. So, uh, Rey Mysterio Jr., that's my last one. How about you? Yeah, um, I'll end it with the one that you probably anticipated I'd pick. And I have a couple other guys on here too, but I'll, I'll finish it with D'Lo Brown. Hell was, yeah. You know, <laughs> when we got into that, I would say post um, The Nation, mm -hmm. I wasn't I, I was not big into WWF when it was The Nation, when it was kind of it was him and Mark Henry and it was, you know, you're working with the real deal now. Like I just gravitated towards that guy. He was just he had a lot of attitude. He had a lot of fun. And I thought it was a really good wrestler. He was great. He's very underrated. I thought D'Lo was excellent. Yeah. I'm not making fun of it at I all. He, I love D'Lo. No, no. And I, and I think he had a lot of fun signature and finishing moves like the running power bomb into the sky high and then the low down. I think these were all really fun. He had a good um, like running kick. Yeah, he, he was just. What was, was that? The leg lariat thing he would do where he'd like run towards the guy and lift his leg and like. I know you're talking yeah, about. Like, yeah, that's the one that, I was thinking. That, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it's like pretty much a clothesline with his fucking shin. Yeah. It's wild. He had um, a lot of cool moves, uh, a lot of fun attitude. Dude, and it was like the, it was um, chest protector. He wore that chest protector. Chest protector was, was <laughs> I mean, I don't even think I knew. I think I think that's when I first started seeing him was like with the chest protector. I didn't even know uh, Dan Severin caused it or <laughs> whatever. He had it for like five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I always always appreciate D'Lo Brown. And, and, and obviously, if you know anything about him, you know what happened with him in draws. It was just really tragic, you know. You you hate to see anyone have a, have a spill in the the octa not the octagon in the ring and and cause a serious injury like that. Um, but yeah, he's always been one of my favorites. A couple of other guys I had on here I wanted to mention. Um, I loved when Ken Shamrock went to the WWF. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was really fun. I thought he had a lot of good matches, and I think he he evolved. I think pretty. I mean, obviously, it, knowing Ken Shamrock, he was already doing pro wrestling before he even started MMA, so he had a bit of that background. But like. He was competent. You know, he was doing Hurricane Rana's. His belly-to-belly -belly was really good. He was a decent 
you know, pro wrestler and into the zone. Right. So you look at like a Ronda Rousey or some of the other MMA fighters that tried to transition that did not go as well. Always been a big fan of Mr. Perfect and uh, Ted DiBiase too. Those are always some of the old school guys. I always like to play as in the video games and stuff. But yeah, D'Lo Brown was always a favorite of mine. Yeah, so just I'd be remiss there. if I didn't mention how much fucking uh, I, I've said Bret Hart a bunch, but Bret, yeah. Owen, Owen fucking ruled. Owen had Owen was so good, um, and uh, I liked um, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was real good. Kurt Angle sure, almost yeah. was, I was like the next evolution of Ken, it felt like. I almost felt like he showed up and people forgot about Ken at times. Oh, I was going to mention Goldberg. I was, Goldberg yeah. was really on my list. I just forgot. Like, yeah, I mean, he, that he, was, he, was, yeah like, it was just spectacle as fuck. It was great. <laughs> the, the hunt, winning 100 matches in a row when like no one ever kept score of like who won. Dude, every every week they kept Brock, telling you like it went up by like 10 though every week. So I'm like, he's at 82. He got, he's like 112. You're like, yeah. how many matches did he wrestle this weekend? Um... I had one more I was going to mention real quickly, and I lost my train of thought. Um, by the way, yeah, we didn't mention fucking Shawn Michaels was excellent. Shawn Michaels was excellent. Mm -hmm. The Undertaker was fucking excellent. And I don't think he gets enough credit as a wrestler because a lot of people didn't like that he stuck around so long. And people thought he used his influence. We stopped watching at this point, Mark. But people did not like Triple H for a long time because they kind of felt like he forced himself to stick around forever and stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember Triple H on the come up. He was a great bad guy. You needed somebody to be a bad guy. Yeah. Somebody had to be the bad guy. Him and The Rock. When Stone Cold went out, somebody to carry that company, it wasn't just a rock. It was both of them together because you needed another half of yeah. that thing. So, all right, we already went long now. Fuck. All right, um, stuff uh, stuff we like. I'll go real quick. All I did is watch football, and that was one of the most single, most stressful football games I've ever watched in my fucking life. The least fun I've had watching football, Mark. The 49ers are seven-point favorites, and they win by three points by the grace of God by a fucking mild miracle. Um, I did not have a good time watching that. Um, but I'm going this weekend, and I hope that we stomp out the Detroit Lions. So cool. even though everybody likes the Detroit Lions because they haven't been good since any of us were born. They had not won a playoff game in 30 years, which I'm going to celebrate organizational ineptitude. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they got their shit together. They'd win a little bit. Just saying. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm surprised we did. We did that list very well with, like, barely talking about any MMA fighters. I mean, you threw Ken out there, but, like. You know, it was a whole. It wasn't like he was just an MMA fighter doing wrestling. You know, there, you get that too mm -hmm. sometimes. Like you know, by the way, you know, Kenny Omega's got like six MMA fights to his record. Well, I mean, I didn't until you showed me, and yeah. then that led me down the Travis Fulton. Yeah, like this is a real rabbit hole. Which I was like, I didn't know he died. Then I learned how he died, and I was like, oh well, no wonder why no <laughs> one's talking about it because it's awful. <laughs> like, let's just forget about it. Okay, let's move on. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, and this is we're talking about awful. But we'd be remiss if we if he didn't go out the way he did. We'd all be talking about him. One of the best in ring performers any of us ever saw was Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit oh, was yeah, so yeah. good. It ended horribly. So was Eddie. By the way, Eddie was excellent. Both of them were excellent. Still interesting how much we like the dichotomy of how much everybody reveres Eddie. Justifiably so, and everybody does their best to forget Chris Benoit. Again, justifiably so. So. You know who I'm talking about. If you don't, if you want to be sad, Google his name and go to Wikipedia. So, um, anyway, and your uh, stuff you like, Marcus, before we call it? Yeah, uh, it's pretty short and sweet this week. Um, I did watch the uh, new season of uh, Love, on a, Love on the Spectrum. This is the U.S. version. There's all kinds of different um, countries have their own version of the show. But it's basically uh, a documentary with people with um, on the autism spectrum you know trying to get into the dating pool and um yeah, i watched the first season really enjoyed it watched the second season 
where they had a lot of the same people that were on the first season kind of come back and, you know, date new people and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, I don't know a lot of people on the spectrum or that have autism or have identified to me that they have it. So it's, and again, it's just one of these things like I like watching documentaries with different personalities and and different lifestyles so I can learn, you know, like, you know, kind of get an inside view of what it is like to like know somebody or to have autism to some extent and the kind of struggles they have um, with their day-to-day lives and also the victories and, you know, the things that, you know, they, they don't lack in their life. Cause I think it's really easy to look at someone that, you know, we perceive to have a handicap and feel bad for them or feel sorry for them. And when you actually get to see like their day-to-day lives, it's like, yeah, they, they do have different challenges than, than most of us have, but they're still happy and they're loved and the people, you know, around them care about them and want them to succeed. Um, and it's really, you know, uplifting. So yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed watching love on the spectrum and season two was really fun. Netflix. Um, yeah, Netflix. Um, outside of that this week, uh, Tekken eight comes out. Um, always a big Tekken fan. Um, eight looks really cool. Um, they did a really fun video with it's some guy from succession. He's like this older guy and he was doing like, he's basically telling the story of Tekken, which is like super bonkers bananas. Cause everyone's just throwing each other off cliffs and shit. But like he delivers Brian it. Cox, in such a way. Yeah. Brian Cox. Yeah. He delivers it in such a way that it's like, like they know it's crazy, stupid. Like the people who make this game know it's weird that these, grandpas and dads keep throwing their fucking kids off of cliffs and stuff but brian cox like he just he, he does it with a straight face and with a little bit of humor and it, it really works out um and tekken's always just been one of those you know weird but really fun and interesting uh 3d fighting games so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one uh and then lastly you know i don't we don't really talk about restaurants or whatever but um you know me and christine went to a oh goodness what do they call it um a rotating belt, a revolving belt sushi place. What do they call those places, Bob? A lot, of times, have, it's like, a boat. Boat. A lot of times it's a sushi boat type place you get, too. Yeah, but... they, this place, it wasn't a boat, but it was a conveyor belt okay. kind of thing. Um, and I think, I know I've been I've been to one once before, and I couldn't remember if it was with you, because I know it wasn't with We did team. We did the boat thing one time in Davis. Yeah, okay, yeah. That, that, that was on the way to Sacramento. It. We did that one time. Yeah, and uh, really like that. That's a good way to have sushi. <laughs> what I like about it a lot is that, like, you sit down and like ready to sit down, like you don't have to wait for shit. Like you see something come by, it looks good. You just grab it. So it's like, you know, at normal restaurants, you have to wait for your fucking waiter and like, oh, what are your drinks you want? Let's wait or whatever. It's like, you know what? This thing's coming right by. Looks half decent. Let me throw it in there. You got to throw the plates and the little thing. It's, it's a fun dining experience. Um, There's one by where we live. Uh, so that was that was a fun experience. I think we'll probably check it out again at some point. But uh, yeah, that's all I got this week. I was one in Dublin. I got to check that out then. That's. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'll uh, be back next week. We'll be previewing that half-assed Apex card uh, with two fights. I'm telling you right now, that's what we're talking about: two fights. Um, and uh, if you are, if you got Peacock because you were trying to watch an NFL playoff game, and I'm pretty sure the trial was a you couldn't get a trial; you had to buy one month of this thing. Fucking Rumble, man! Get some friends together, get a random number generator, throw five bucks each. You know, there's two Rumbles. It'll be fun. You know, it's pretty simple. And if you get some old wrestler returning as a gimmick, just know that you are not winning. That is just how this goes. Yeah, um, that's just for giggles. That's just for giggles. So when, you know, I'd say, I mean, I don't know who you're going to get. Get the Godfather. He's not He's not winning, man. The Godfather manages a strip club in Vegas. He's not winning the Royal Rumble. 
Um, all right. Um, Till next week. I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. You'll see Lavender Gooms next week, hopefully. And uh, peace out. See ya. There was a moment where I was going to say, if you get Mr. Perfect, and I'm like, oh, no, he's dead. He's, he's dead. That's oh, he died? Yeah, he's dead. I was going to say Terry Funk, but he's definitely dead, right? I think he just died in the last, like, okay. six months. God, we could, one of us could have said Terry Funk. God bless that, man. Um, another one I was thinking about was, like, Raven was so cool in ECW. There were some guys who were yeah. so cool in ECW that then, like, Mike Awesome was cool in ECW. Tanaka was cool in ECW. And then mm-hmm. Paulie was good at that, man. Making people care about these dudes. Carino. Well, you are a big Carino guy when we were kids. Carino was, Carino was great. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. See you.